0: Hello, so you're listening to the podcast Talk That Talk with Shalonda. Hi, I am Shalonda, your host, and let's start from the beginning. This is going to be an unedited podcast about foster care and our experiences um, as foster youth. And if you like the conversation, I say subscribe to this channel. It's real, it's authentic, it's about our experiences, but then also how we as foster youth that has aged out of foster care can make an impact for the next generation. What are we doing, especially the ones that are successful like myself and others? What are we doing to encourage the next generation? What are we doing to better their situation to help them overcome their challenges and ensure that they can overcome that and know what it means to overcome that and then on the other side, become successful. So if you like this podcast, please share it with someone and let's join the conversation. So in this podcast, we're going to discuss taking accountability and compartmentalizing what we go through. So if you want to talk about those things, stay tuned. Number one, taking ownership and denouncing ownership of certain things requires us as foster youth and former foster youth to really understand our stories and why we were taken from our parents and then to own our behaviors and how we react to the situation that we're placed in and denounce the circumstances that placed us into custody of someone else. So that's a lot to really think about. Understanding Why we were placed in foster care, number one, is because something that our parents, parents, (laughs) parents did or did not do, right? So they have to own the fact that they either did or did not do something that winded us into being taken away and placed into foster care to live with either kinship or inside a foster home, a group home, or whatever else, right? It was not the fault of ourselves, the the children, to take ownership of that. It is not my responsibility as a 10-year-old girl who was entering foster care to own that And so I know a lot of us think that it's our problem to think about, to sit with, and to hold tightly to, but it's not. It's the fault of our parents or those who are supposed to be taking care of us. So typically it would be your parents, but let's say your parent gave you to your grandmother and the grandmother could not support you. It takes the family and especially the parents to own that responsibility of not being capable and responsible enough to shelter and protect their child like they're supposed to do when they made that commitment and produced that child. And so when I started to grow up and think about these things, I had to denounce that it's not my fault for being in foster care, regardless of being interviewed or interrogated multiple times from caseworkers and different things like that. I was not the one who called 696 kids, multiple allegations. That's someone else calling in because they either had a situation with my mother, with my dad. However, they also could have seen us being in a situation that they did not agree was safe. They did not agree that we should have been in. And so when I think about this as an adult, I have to tell anyone that's growing up in foster care, that it's not your responsibility to take ownership of what your parents should have done. And they, t- they failed, you and I. My parents failed me that moment when they could not get it right as parents. And I know that's hard to understand, especially if you're going through your own issues, but especially mental issues, and you haven't addressed it, but that is their responsibility to own. It requires them to look at the situation and tell themselves that, yes, they're human, but yes, they had a responsibility to guard and protect their children. And because they did not do the necessary things in terms of taking care of themselves first, their mental health, to get rid of all of the things that hurt them and made life confusing for them, since they did not do those proper things as parents and as grown adults it resulted in their kids being taken away so that's a lot to, to unpack right to think about but do I fault I guess we're getting a little too far but do I fault them thinking as an adult right now I understand that things happen And especially if you're dealing with your own mental issues, you don't have everything figured out. If you're especially a young mother and your teenage years were taken away from you because you got pregnant early and you had a lack of support, It turns out different, so I, I have more sympathy for someone within a situation because that the structure in which they got pregnant and then the lack of structure for a community support, a family support, really does hurt people in terms of being able to move and function and be that person that they're supposed to be because they can barely protect and be that person that they need to be for themselves. And so being that person for another human being, even small children, can be difficult. So I see the situation from a grown mature way of thinking and I give I give I guess sympathy to the idea that you're human and you made a mistake. and I if I got to talk to my mom, um, I would wish that she had an opportunity to heal certain wounds, wounds that held her back that really held her back in, in terms of who she, interacted with and why she interacted with them, how she parented my older siblings, how she connected with them, and then also her mom and addressing the issues that were there. I would I would tell her to address that because those are the things that made me And my siblings end up in foster care in the first place because those unresolved issues that she ultimately had and my dad ultimately had resulted in certain behaviors and actions that they took. And so, being in my 20s, I can see, as you can see, I denounced it very early that it was never my fault but for those that are in foster care you have to really denounce being a foster care being your fault. People are supposed to protect you. Family and adults especially is supposed to be there to protect you. And If they fail, they fail. You can have sympathy later to understand that maybe they weren't mentally strong. Maybe they had their own issues that they could not work out because they didn't have opportunities to talk out their problems. Or the person that they initially said it to didn't believe them and had left distrust and hurt and pain. You can understand that, but you can also understand that they could have done better. So that was number one, just releasing what is not yours to deal with. And so how do we compartmentalize And really focus on what we do have control over. Because I believe when you realize and you denounce that it was never your fault. And those who were supposed to protect you did not do that because of their own issue. And whatever that might be, it is what it is. And it cannot be changed. Then You are responsible for how you act and how you behave as a result of your situation and circumstance. So for me personally, I think I went through my troubling stages and I definitely learned my lessons along the way. And I wish I would have had more woman to girl or woman to teenager conversations with the women that watched me grow instead of me seeking out to my mentors and having, you know, different conversations with them. I wish that the people had known about these issues that I was dealing with could have approached me and talked to me, but that didn't happen. I think looking at it now and as an adult, had I, known better I would have done better and if the women would have like my grandmother for example um her daughters I had a boyfriend so his mother if all of these women could have had these hard conversations instead of gossiping and talking amongst each other about some issues that I got myself into being a woman first and addressing what I was going through because that was as a result of how I felt I acted a certain way based off how I felt and what I thought and also what I thought and felt came from the situation of being in foster care and not having my mother to kind of talk to me like a teenage girl needed to be spoken to and tell me the value that I have. I think that was what was missing. And so certain things that I did was for attention in terms of like stealing from the stores, a result of trying to manipulate The situation where I knew that they would sit around this table and discuss my behaviors. And after it was done, there was going to be a pretty good note typed up, well written, and sent off to my dad. And then he would do the exact same thing every single time, which is call the house and scold me, asking, why are you stealing from the stores? And I would tell him, like, I have money in my pocket. I have money in my purse. And he would repeat, you don't have to steal from the stores. I can give you money. But that was never the problem. The problem for me was that my mom called me every single day to ensure that I was okay. When she passed away when I was 14 years old and having... The idea that I was going to have her just a little bit longer, I had to do something that would force others to replace her, replace the support that she has given me since I entered foster care at 10 years old. So for four years, calling me every single day unless I had a visitation at her house or at the county building, but someone needed to fulfill that and I thought that the best way I knew how was to act up and allow my dad to call me. So I thought that I was very wise, but no one really seen that I was intentionally getting into trouble And as a result, XYZ would fall into place and I would be content because I had really good grades. You know, so what was the cause of this behavioral issue? No one understood. No one bothered to understand because no one bothered to have that decent conversation to sit me down and ask me, Why do you get good grades and you're so focused? You don't get into trouble at school. But the moment that you step out of school is where you have a lot of issues and you have benefits and and good treatment. But then you turn and do something like stealing from the store (laughs) And as I think about it now, I think it's so funny um, because uh, (laughs) I would, I don't know, I (laughs) would lie about it being me or my friends or whatever. It was just a game, but I also knew that there were no consequences. So I could do things and get caught and i understood that i could manipulate it but there would be no consequences for me unlike someone else who was not sheltered by the state because apparently i was a ward of the state right so i had protection I had a big team that was going to fight this legal battle for me. So I knew that I had this protection and I knew that even if I was to do something like this, stealing from the store when I didn't need to, literally I got caught one time with money in my, my purse and the guy was like, why? Why would you do this? Do you want to be taken down to juvenile detention? I could take you. And I was like, no, (laughs) I don't know. It was just a really good conversation because it could have gone the opposite direction where I could have ruined my life right then and there because he did ask me and we did talk about it and I could have been taken because they say they prosecute people who take from a store. They got this really big sign and then I ended up taking... Uh, some scissors inside the store as well to, like, open up a package. Um, please do not do this. But um, the man, he dressed in regular clothes. So he was like, I didn't know they did this. But he dressed in regular clothes. And he started to pick up a pattern of mine. And I didn't know this, right? Because I wasn't, like, a really amazing thief or anything like I wasn't like super great at it but I got away with it a few times and I got caught a lot of times but that's beside the point (laughs) the point of it was the scissors and he he told me that if if it had not been him and it was his partner and I had scissors that is considered a weapon and his partner would have been holding his gun at me as soon as I left that store. And that was like, wow, I'm a teenage girl, I'm a black girl and I'm lucky because his partner would have probably, would have been upset with me. And I don't know the the outcome of that. I can't tell you what the outcome would have been because it was him. But him just telling me this gives me the understanding, especially now of like where our current climate is, but understanding how valuable our lives are and the circumstances of how people think. Because they don't know the whole situation. They don't know that I'm manipulating other people they know that they have to do a job as, I guess, a theft protection person. I don't know what to call him. Um, it's slipping my mind, but his job is to ensure that I don't steal from the store and that things, <laughs> things, <laughs> I don't know, it is not funny, but it's I'm over this phase. But no one knew. That's the point. No one knew about why I was stealing, and then no one bothered to to really ask and go in depth. And so I remember I had to go to counseling a lot. And instead of counseling, I recommend us as foster parents. And I'm not a foster parent, so as a foster parent. <laughs> I recommend you having a relationship and building up the trust to talk to the youth that you have vowed to protect and to guardian. Be the guardian of, which means that you are there to protect and guard that child. And when I think of guardian, I mean you have the ability to guard their feelings, their <laughs> their behaviors if something happened to this child in terms of like within your household something that they do outside of the household i still feel as if none of the family members need to know so you are there to shelter this child against the ridicule and the criticism of even the family members so They shouldn't know everything that the youth go through. And I think that's disheartening and distrusting of foster parents and guardians to gossip. Because that's what I call it. That's what I always have known it to be is gossiping, telling my business. Personally, I have gone through that. And so telling my business to the entire family, whatever I do was whoever is at this table, their business, not the entire family, right? So that's just a little side note to all the foster parents listening. Whatever you do, you have to build the trust between you and your foster child or your child. I don't know how you call them or address them. So it's about building that trust, which means that it's confidential. Whatever they get into, because, I mean, if they're teenagers, especially, we're getting into a lot. (laughs) We're getting into a lot. But having that, that boundary where you don't go and talk to people that are not involved. Because as a result of that mistrust, we feel like we can't trust you, we won't talk to you. And that is a result of what you as a foster parent or guardian has done. So everything that we do is always going to have a cause and effect. What caused something to make us behave a certain way, right? But we as the foster youth have control over how we behave, right? So like I said, I manipulated a lot of the the situations that I was in. That was my way of dealing with things. But I also had a situation where they threatened to remove me from this home. I, I stayed in one placement, my entire foster care experience, and my brother, one of them was kicked out. And then my brother that was a year and a half and is a year and a half older than me, stayed with me. And he was sitting at the table and he said, if you have to remove her from the home, you have to remove me as well because I'm her protector. So wherever she goes, I have to follow. And at that moment, even being a 15, 16-year-old girl, I don't know, I had to make that decision to get my act together in order for me to not disrupt my brother's placement because he was doing exceptionally well. And at that time, I knew... I had the knowledge of knowing that if we left this house, we may not be together. So although he's going to remove himself and disrupt his own placement, if I have to be removed from this house, that don't mean that we're going to end up together. That's not what that meant. That meant that if I continue with the behavior that I was doing, he could be removed place with somebody else and then I can be removed and placed in a different placement with other people and I interrupted his good thing because my own selfishness and at that point I made the decision to do the things that I needed to do which was call and check in hey I'm not going to be home at that time I might be 20 minutes late but I'm still coming home and as I got older I started to realize and have a value of calling to check in and realizing that being outside it's dangerous sometimes, you know? And so being a young girl who was only or a teenager with only 125 pounds, very thin and short, five foot one, like I can be easily picked up and like tossed, right? So Yeah, I started to realize, like, hey, it's pretty dangerous to just be walking underneath a bridge. You don't know who's down there lurking and looking and and whatever else, because uh, I wanted to walk home by myself. And my my grandmother would always say, like, use the buddy system. If you leave together, if you leave the house together, come back together. But that was just not the case in all the time. It wasn't the case. And so I started to realize how important that was. So I was in counseling or anger management at that time. And I remember being a freshman. Yeah, I was a freshman. And uh, um, they basically set up these rules of like, could you possibly call the house and say this? And I said, yeah, that's doable. You know, so I still feeling like I'm manipulating the situation because I can still do what I want to do with the with the addition of checking in. So I did that. And I made it very easy and seamless to do that. So once I got to being like 17, um maybe I shouldn't say this, but I would go stay with my sister at her house. Um, and then I would not want to leave very late. So I wouldn't want to catch the bus back home because I would literally have to go a certain um, like my brother, my brother Steve would catch the bus with me. Uh, we had to catch like two buses. so he would catch one bus and wait at the station with me. And as soon as I got on the only bus that take me directly um, in front sort of our house. He would make sure that I got on that bus. <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's the 76, so go all the way up. <laughs> it's a long bus drive. But he would make sure that if I really needed to go home, and it was a little bit later um, in the night, he was making sure that I got on that bus. Um, he would stay, intentionally stay with me. And so that was... Whew, Wow, wow, wow. That was um a way for me to tell her, like, hey, I'm still coming home, or hey, I'm staying over my sister's house. But it was a way for me to earn more responsibility, to get more trust from her, and to to teach, I guess, both of us how and what that that boundary relationship will look like because I'm getting older. But then you're also getting older and wiser as well, which means that we gotta be flexible with each other. <laughs> so by the time I turned 18, I was still actually, I believe, um, just grad I was about to graduate. 18. I was about to graduate and having my first car. Ooh! Because I was so eager to get my license, y'all. My license was like top-notch importance to me. So uh, that's a different story for a different day. But when I turned 18, since I have built up that trust with her of telling her and calling, like, hey, I'm going to be out. Um, I'm staying at, you know, Shay Shay's house. I won't be home. It's the weekend. I'm just letting you know so that you don't have to stay up worrying about me, right? And then eventually, I got to the point where I wanted to go out with my cousins, um, have a little good time. We about to, you know, go out to the club a little bit, just have us like teenage, I'm grown, fun, I guess. <laughs> and um, at that time, I started to develop a little bit more maturity. And so my thought pattern was she's an elderly woman and I don't want her and like I said, compartmentalizing things and understanding like even though we might fight and we might argue, we might not agree on things, I still have to respect you. And my mom instilled that in me very early to have a certain level of respect. Uh, did I respect always? No because I felt disrespected. And my mom also told me, you don't get respect without giving it. So I did not always respect people. Um, (laughs) And I definitely spoke my, my, my truth as I knew it to be. But I also understood that she was an elderly woman who had to get up and then she would put the deadbolt on the door uh, as a level of protection. and so once I got to be like seventeen, 18, I was going out more frequently and then I knew that I wouldn't be home until about two or three in the morning. I just I just didn't want her to get up anymore. Um, so I made decisions to, you know tell her that I was I was safe and I would probably tell her before I left the house so I didn't have to wake her up. but I was telling her like, hey, I'll be safe. If I don't call you uh, to let you know um, and you lock the door and put the deadbolt on there, if I'm not here by two in the morning, you can put the deadbolt on. Like I will be fine and I'll give you a phone call to let you know that I'm okay. But at that point, I just could not think about her getting up out of that bed at two, three, or even four in the morning because I wanted to party, party, party. And then I think about how it would be putting a strain on her. So me taking ownership and responsibility at this point and me maturing enough to think about other people. So that's what I mean about taking ownership of what we do and learning through the process of situations that's happening to us. I definitely had a lot of learning experiences throughout my foster care journey, but ultimately it taught me valuable lessons and an understanding of how to think about her feelings or what she had to do or how she had to bend and bow because she had to raise teenagers and we wanted to do our own thing. And Then I also seen how she um, handled. She was she was tough, you know. And, and in certain situations, I had seen how she handled um, my cousin, who felt like she wanted to do her own thing as well when she was developing her teenage groove. And so I looked at that and was like. Mm. Don't want that to be me, so I know how to manipulate the situation. This is what I'm going to do. This is what they're telling me that I need to do. Let's tweak it so that it works for me, right? This is a message to foster youth who you're in the development of wanting to do your own thing. You're a teenager. You want more freedom. You want more responsibility. Give, abilities given to you. It's a process and you have to earn it. It's a process and you have to earn it. (laughs) There's things that you have to do to set you up to get what you want, which means that you have to bend and bow sometimes To get what you want. (sighs) As I think about all of the things like that I had to do, I don't think that it was like so far fetched that I could not do these things. Like calling to make sure that I was safe. A foster parent is responsible for us, right? They're supposed to protect us and guard us, right? Sometimes it happens, sometimes it don't. But they're, that's their responsibility. So when we don't come home or don't have a conversation to tell them, like, hey, I'm out, I won't be home, their immediate thought, and even as a parent, the immediate thought is like, what happened to you? What's going on? Oh my gosh. And as you get older, you start to realize you've been looking at all of these things online or TV, or you think of the world a certain and so you're telling yourself stories about what happened and when you sit in that and you're thinking all night long about the possibilities they start to get darker and darker and then as a foster parent you're responsible for this child or teenager and you're like oh my so as a foster kid youth it's about understanding that a lot of restrictions are ridiculous. Um, we can definitely say that, but for some of them, it's needed. Some of the restrictions are set there for our benefits. <laughs> so I currently still let people know my whereabouts. And as You know what the current climate of people being snatched up and and now we're talking about you know um trafficking (laughs) we're talking about trafficking now it's more important than ever to tell someone your whereabouts so um to wrap this up (laughs) this podcast was about taking ownership of what we do and learning from it and then also denouncing what we have no control over and that was never our fault in the first place but having complete control over how we react to things so I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. It was just a random free talk. Um, and so if you want to support this podcast, please do so. I'm actually in the process of rebranding this podcast, even though I only made a few episodes as so far. But um, it will be um, talking about healing ourselves through the means of art, it would still have a focus of foster care and our experiences, but it would highlight a little bit more about how I personally stayed focused and driven to reach my goals and how I built relationships with people And how they encouraged me to do certain things or to take up certain things or whatever it may be. So I had the name a very long time ago and I just, you know, kind of changed it. I don't know why, but I thought that this Talk That Talk with Shalonda would be better. However, I have um, recently launched um, a Heal Through Arts. And so... It's under Yemoja Speaks and I am currently developing Yemoja Speaks even though that is the official name of my business. Um, yeah so stay tuned for more information about Yemoja Speaks and Healing Through the Arts. We are going to be doing a that an event (laughs) in the next couple of weeks and it's i'll tell you now it's about um those of us who do not like or are pushed for traditional counseling but that's not what we prefer and we still need to look at our issues and our traumas and our circumstances we still have to look at it so that we can address them but we don't have to all go through the same method we all do not have to sit on someone's couch to you know express ourselves and to tell our our feelings because sometimes i'm just going to let you know if you if you say something that may may feel like you're going to harm yourself or others. They have to report this. And maybe you have had a thought and it it passed because you were so overwhelmed. Maybe you had this thought, but you never went through with it. Okay? And so you say this to them and they have to report it right? So I want us to heal ourselves with being able to openly express that without having repercussions. And yes, I do advocate for uh, counseling. I currently am in counseling right now, and I'm a big advocate for mental health. Um, I definitely think that we need to heal ourselves from the situations that we have gone through and number one way for me personally is to talk it out because I love to do that (laughs) I love talking and uh, listening to myself like oh I didn't know that I said that and wow that's kind of new to me I didn't know I thought that way but as I say things to other people I'm actually saying them to myself sometimes first where it's surprising um especially when you know that you're free talking right things just get blurted out and you are not stopping them this is why i kind of do like the um unedited version because whatever comes out is really authentic it's really me it's the truth um so that's what you get (laughs) And if you want to support this podcast, uh, please do so, because the next events that we're going to host, um, all the proceeds that we raise for donations here and in other forms will be used for Yamoja Speaks and our Healing Through Arts program. And you'll see more information about that really soon. Thank you for listening and stay tuned to the next podcast. We out.